Hey, just a quick heads up for this episode because of the nature of the show. I'm just going to throw in a quick content warning for murder, suicide, and rape just because of uh, the way the show is. Uh, We don't talk about it a whole lot, but I just wanted to give a quick warning. On to the show. Hello and welcome to TV Dinner, the podcast where we take three bites out of a show and tell you how it tastes. I'm your host, Kalena. I'm your other host, Sean. And this week, we are watching Mindhunter. Okay, so what's Mindhunter? Uh, or I guess you I have... should guess. Yeah, I was going to say, do you have any inclination of what it might be? <laughs> well, I'm guessing that it's a show about psychology. Right, because last year I said I could rant on it if I wanted to. Uh, and I'm guessing criminal psychology, since that seems to be what people are obsessed with. Yes. Good. Continue. Um... Okay, so is it about criminal psychologists? Yes. Okay, so I'm betting it's going to be a dramatization of the life of criminal psychologists, and they're going to get real involved with the mystery and the suspects. <laughs> um, so Mindhunter is a show about um, basically the beginnings of criminal profiling. So is it historic? Um, so it's based off of a, a true crime book also called Mindhunter. I don't know if it is... It is historic. I think it might be dramatized. Uh, So it may be um, based on real events, but not historically accurate. Yeah, I don't know that for sure, though. I've heard from other psychologists that it's, like, really good. So it's possible that it is, like, genuinely accurate. Mm. Which is why I'm really excited to watch it, because I've always been into criminal psychology. Um... And especially, uh, you know, the show Criminal Minds? Yeah. That is a, like, you know, highly dramatized version of the modern day um, behavioral science unit, which are like the little, the small group of profilers. Thank you, because uh, when I said yeah earlier, I meant, (laughs) oh, I am vaguely aware that there's a show with that title. (laughs) I vaguely know that. It's basically a serial killer show. And so this is like a real life account of how you know, the FBI's profiling unit got started in the 70s. Um, the fun thing about criminal profiling is it's fake. <laughs> <laughs> because you can't really predict who's going to do a crime. Well, so a big thing about any research, but particularly psychology research, is you need a big um, group of people to even like correlate something accurately. The sample size, is it? Yeah, the sample size. And the the thing is, there aren't that many serial killers. Well, yeah. Thankfully. Well. Thankfully. Very thankfully. But, like, so there are issues with sample size, first off, but also, like, you can't necessarily, like, it's just you can't draw anything conclusively from it if anything you can do a correlation but even those are hard to find like if you look up research it's just very hard to find good research on profiling i think people are most obsessed with serial killers um of all criminals oh people love serial killers it's more than a little creepy and morbid um well and 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 another thing is like an easy thing that profilers do a lot is they will just pick like a major demographic in the area 
So, like, if you watch Criminal Minds, like, I loved Criminal Minds. It's a fun show. I like it a lot. I can put aside my reality that it's fake. <laughs> no, I mean, the FBI, the FBI totally does it and believes in it. But, you know, that doesn't mean anything. Um, Good. But, like, even in, even in Criminal Minds, like, they will, like, a serial killer will pop up and their first guess is always white male. Well. Because in the U.S., that's, like, a very prevalent uh group of people I've also only a very prevalently of, um, violent group of people but still yeah i've only ever heard of white male serial killers i thought that it was kind of what we had cornered the market on <laughs> there are other there are non-white non-male serial killers but that's what everyone gravitates towards especially in the u.s right. because the u.s has white people as a majority uh i have a kind of a morbid question okay so you were talking about uh, lack of like sample size of like serial killers before. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, are like mass murderers more well documented and researched than serial killers? Um, I I wouldn't know. Um, probably. So like you mean one person that killed a bunch of people all at once? Yes. Um, I would say yes, probably. First of all, they're easier to catch than serial killers. So they're easier to, like, find. But it's still, like, anything you don't have control over is very hard to say anything conclusively research-wise. Right. Oh, boy. Because there are serial killers who come from, like, you know, beautifully loving families, had, like, the nuclear family the whole way through their life, never had any mental problems. They're just, like, that way. They had sociopathic tendencies? They're just the way they are. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So they're just people who decide to murder people. Yeah, sometimes. And that's why it's, like, incredibly hard to predict. That's really And the whole thing... Yeah, the whole thing about profiling is, like, they want to predict these things, but it's nearly impossible to predict. You can just, like, the easy thing about going with the demographics in the area is you're probably going to hit the target. Mm. Did you ever watch that show Dexter? I did not. Well, I did. I watched many seasons of it, and it was a (laughs) thing. You watched the whole thing, right? No, I don't think I did watch the whole thing. Okay. But uh, that was a show that was, like, all about the main character being a serial killer and also a <laughs> crime scene blood splatter analysis. Yeah, I, I know the basics, but I have never seen it. Which, uh, every time I think about that premise, it gets more and more ridiculous. Well, we might have to watch it. Because <laughs> I've always been into, like, serial killers, crime profiling shows. Mm. I still think they're fun. But this, like I said, this is supposed to be a historical account. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they're going to take in a... If they're going to say the things that I said, basically. Right. Um, But it is... It's based on a book. So if you want to read about it, it's by um, John Douglas and Mark Olshaker. And I will stop ranting so we can go ahead and watch... Well, you weren't exactly ranting. I have no idea who the authors are, but uh, I'm definitely interested now. And, like, mostly I'm interested in the, like, post-episode conversation where you're going to tell me a lot of cool stuff uh, about criminal (laughs) profiling. 
Yeah, the fun thing about me is I know shit about history, but I know a lot about psychology. Maybe I'll do some and history, psych history. <laughs> So, um, I'm excited. I'm excited too. Yeah. All right, let's get to it. Hell yeah. Bon appetit. back yeah wow mindhunter uh oh that was well fascinating do you want to give a short synopsis yeah so um it's about in 1977 uh like the very early days of criminal psychology and criminal profiling uh, and it's sim- i would even call it like the very beginning of it okay true um, there is, like, some setup of the studies done before it, but it's all about, uh, two FBI agents, uh, and they're doing psychology, going around, uh, and interviewing imprisoned serial killers, uh, whilst they're working at sort of, like, uh, the, they're trainers, they're FBI trainers, so they're kind of, like, teachers, and... They- yeah, they, like, go around... Um, they're from the FBI, but they train, like, local law enforcement. Yeah. Holden, uh, was not is also teaching the, like, FBI, like, students. Uh, mm-hmm. specifically, he, he taught, um, hostage situations before he joined up with, uh, Tench in going around. Right. Um, so the very first scene in the whole show is Ford negotiating a hostage situation a hostage situation and failing right with the uh in a way yeah with the implication being that like this like sort of like failure to like understand the psychology of the criminal uh is Mm -hmm. part of like what is inspiring him to like throw all in on this yeah well and i also wonder if it had to do with him being put as a teacher and no longer a negotiator because it says he's only he says he's only 29 Mm. which is not like a well i'm too old to negotiate so now i'm just gonna go teach you know yeah true you think he like fucked up and like ruined his career track i don't know i'm just wondering if maybe they kind of like put him elsewhere after that like really big mistake Hmm, I wonder. I don't think- th- I think I recall his boss uh, t- telling him that, like, it wasn't a failure. But I don't know if he was just, like, couching oh, it. Oh, yeah. The boss said something gross, like, it seasoned you, like, seeing a man die. <laughs> oh, right. It built character. Right, like, please don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, is there anything that you want to talk about first? Um, well, we can just talk about, like, go go through really quickly his path to, like, what they're doing now. Uh, sure. Right? So, like, he was the teacher of the hostage negotiations. Right. And then he hears Rathman talking about, um, aberrant behavior. Yeah. Very Freudian. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um... No, I can't remember what he did to, like, be placed with Tench. Tench is his... So it's Holden Ford, and there is something Tench. 
Right. Those are the main characters, are Ford and Tench. Right. Uh, he... Okay, so after the... the um, so he's teaching, and he takes interest in Rathman, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, it introduces Debbie... Uh, his right, right, right. His girlfriend. Yeah, he he's talking at the bar with Rathman, and then immediately runs into his hippie girlfriend. Yeah, um, it's very like not quite manic pixie dream girl, but their conversations are very much like those young adult movies where they can't stop quipping at each other. Right, they're they're trying to capture that quippy quirky dialogue, and it. It's really annoying. Mm. <laughs> Don't you think? Like, slow down and talk like a real human being. Some of their scenes are more real than others. Like, there's ones in which I... they're, like, cranked up to 11, and other ones when they're down at a more, like, acceptable level of quirk. Like, it's still... Yeah. Like, it's the amount of quirk levels that I've come to expect in, like, my media. <laughs> well, um, I think Debbie comes down more to, like, a normal person, uh after the first like few scenes she's in but ford just kind of keeps up his energy the whole time i mean he is kind of like a weird guy he's i've been calling him twin peaks every episode we've watched right because i'm not sure how i described it but he has that sort of um straight laced but like manic energy yeah who's the um the name of the officer in twin peaks uh oh i'm i hate myself right now for not remembering (laughs) um but it's very like he seems robotic in some ways because he's supposed to be like pretty naive socially Mm -hmm. even though he's like super smart Mm -hmm. um but he also gets really passionate about certain things so throughout their like path towards figuring out like the minds of serial killers or whatever Mm -hmm. he gets super duper passionate and will like only talk about that one thing right uh you didn't watch a lot of twin peaks did you just like a couple of episodes i did not i actually wanted to refer to him as deadly premonition but i feel like that's less um that's even less similar (laughs) (laughs) okay uh dale cooper is the twin peaks detective uh and did you have to look it up yes i did i'm a little ashamed of myself (laughs) I'm sorry for outing you. (laughs) (laughs) And usually our research happens silently. (laughs) Um, But I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, Well, Dale Cooper is weird. uh, Super weird. uh, But it's in kind of like a fun way. And everybody takes him seriously there. And everybody he's around is weird. Whereas in this, Mm -hmm. Ford is weird. But he's a much more, like, recognizable weird, and everybody around him sees that he's weird and acts normally. Yeah, yeah, I guess the, like, he is very, like, Twin Peaks, but, like, displaced into the real world. I don't know if I would say that, but it's good enough. (laughs) Anyway, that's just, like, what really his personality struck me as. Mm. Just very, like, kind of strange and like stiff i think is how he described him right um Um, but he's also supposed to be like an uptight fbi dude so mm -hmm. but like tench is really like chill chill yeah okay i remember what happened what happened remember he went back to school 
Yeah, yeah. He went back to school, and then from school, he met someone who referred to him, uh, Bill Tench. Right. He he went back to school, but then he, like, went back to the FBI, like, oh, we should be looking into psychology, blah, blah, blah. And the dude was like, well, go on the road with Bill Tench. <laughs> Basically, he went up to Tench and was all like, I, 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 I got into this because of Raffman. And then Tench was like, oh, you know and care about Raffman? All right, come with me. Right, like, Raffman's my buddy. This is fine. Yeah, so then they start um, going around the country. Uh, and then Ford is like, oh, well, what about all the bad stuff that happened to Charles Manson? <laughs> and the cops don't like oh, that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So they're, they're teaching their, like, seminar to cops on, on, I suppose, just different, like, tactics and probably hostage negotiations like he's used to. Mm-hmm. Just, like, different FBI stuff. And he starts to go into, like, Manson's backstory, like, oh, he was abused as a child, and he was in the foster care system. And and one dude was like, I was, an, I was a cop in L.A. when Manson thing was going on. Fuck you. Right. Uh, like, the things that Tench tries to teach him is, like, know your audience and simplify your methods. Uh, right. Like, don't try to be a smartass when you just, like, be simple. Yeah. You know, Occam's razor. Because Ford's, like, like very intellectual and very, like, okay, but this is me observing facts and stuff and not trying to sympathize with him. And, and nobody can, like, see past his, uh, his words for his argument. Yeah. Well, and also, like, it's a very, very... It's emotional in both directions to argue, like, well, maybe we need to be a little more, like you can't assume that Charles Manson was just born bad because look at his like history, Mm -hmm. but it's also, it's emotional on that side. Like, Oh, well we need to assume different things based on his history, but it's also emotional on the other side because it's like, he did a bad thing. Why should I feel bad for him? Right. Okay. So. So, um, one of the cops in, uh, it it's actually the cop that's like, I knew people who worked on the Charles Manson case. Fuck you, who like comes up to them and is like, "You're smart FBI guys. You can help me out with something." Uh, something like that. Uh, in the sense that like, okay, you're trying to fucking do this thing, uh, and here's a thing that I don't right, know like, how to do. Well, yeah, it was basically like you come here to teach us like your fancy methods or whatever. Like, I want you to put that to work because there's something we can't figure out. Right? Can you help us? Uh, and they can't until uh, later. Okay, so the local detective wants their help on a case, but they're like, "We're like just starting. We do not know enough to actually solve this." Um, right? It's literally like we know the person who died, and uh, we know how they were killed, and that's basically it. Right. So then uh ford wants to talk to manson after what happened with the interview i mean the, wait the what class. doesn't he want yeah I, th- I think during their con- no no he never is like he mentions it later but like so he's having the conversation with with the one the cop who's like we only know who this person who was killed is and we only know how they were killed mm-hmm. and he's like like give us something to work on like do you have any insight for us? 
And Tench is like, oh, we need to think about it. And Ford is just straightforward, like, I don't know anything. Because it's a, this, this scene is important because he goes, I don't know anything. And the guy gets really mad at him, but he's like, and as, as he explains to Tench later, he's like, I'm not going to say that I know something I don't. And like, it's really important for me that I figure out a way to say that I can know something, you know? Right. It's not just like, I don't know stuff and I want to know more, but it's like, I don't know how to help you and I want to figure out how to help you. And that's when he's like, maybe we should interview Charles Manson. Right. Uh, like, it might have been helpful to like, for other cases to know what serial killers think about. Right. Uh, and he can't get an interview with Manson as it was why he, how he ends up going to uh, Edmund Kemper. Uh, yeah. He actually at another, um, at a different law enforcement thing that they're teaching, he meets the local cops and they are telling him about Kemper because Kemper used to work with them. Right. Hmm. Uh, uh, we probably should mention somewhere in the episode that all of these are real people. Yes. This whole thing is historically accurate. I know that I, I learned in one of my classes about the Kemper case, in addition to a lot of other like cases like that. Um, this, as far as I understand is a hundred percent factual. Right. Uh, he was a cop. He, he would like drop by the station and be like, Hey, have you made any progress on the co-ed killer case? And they would like tell him what they knew because they were friends. Yeah, and then eventually he, like, submitted himself because, like... Because he, he reached the end of the line as thinking, like, he killed his mom and that was, like, the final thing. Right, he was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Um. So, and he's very talkative. He's extremely talkative. Um. So, of course, he submits to the interview. Uh, and at first it's just Ford going alone uncomfortably, but eventually it's both of them going. Yeah, well, and it is it is something to note that he submits to the interview and then every subsequent interview. Right. He, like, really wants to talk about it. Oh, a lot. And it's, it is, like, kind of implied that, like, even though he was in a mental institution for seven years of his life, that he never did get to talk about his problems. Hmm. And that is, like, a... In the 70s, there was a huge thing uh, with deinstitutionalization, like a big push for getting people out of institutions because they were deemed like unhelpful. Hmm. I didn't know um, that. Yeah, well, and that's why um, institutions aren't as prevalent today as they were in the mid 20th century um, in general. That's kind of why the prison system has taken its place, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he says like, you know, I was... I was in there for seven years and like nothing, nothing helped. And basically like no one helped me. Mm. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Well, that's why I think, I don't know. It's, it's just something interesting to note. Yeah. He didn't get any better. Uh, in fact, he got worse because he was in an institution and not in the real world. Right. Cause then he, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I have <laughs> compared this to Shawshank in a few places. Uh. Um, but, you know, in, in Shawshank Redemption, when the old guy gets out of jail, he kills himself because he doesn't know how to be in the real world because he's been in jail for so long. Hmm. 
And and that can be like considered a similar theme where it's like, I don't know what to do out here. Right. It meant like mental stress. Yeah. Whereas meanwhile, Kemper <laughs> Kemper is like, can institutions in prison help us? No, maybe death by torture. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He seemed very matter of fact. Because uh, Ford said, well, what do you think would help? And he said, oh, just kill us, torture us to death. Yeah. <laughs> Very specific and violent. Yeah. I wonder if... I was... uh wonder if he, like, was he suggesting that as in, like, a social deterrent? Where it is, like, if you are a sequence killer, then essentially uh, that society should be sending the That's message. That's, like, what you deserve. Yeah. Right. Um, well, that's that's part of what he says, too. I I am confident that these um, interviews in the show are recreated to the best of their ability, considering the first few interviews were just on notes and not recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there is one part where he says, I, this is also fascinating because it's real. Right. <laughs> um. One part where, you know, again, Ford is like, you know, do you think it's helpful you being in jail? And he was like, well, I confessed, like, it's kind of pointless because I'm done. Like, I'm done killing. So it's kind of pointless for me to be here. I think what he said is that uh, it's kind of too late. Yeah, it's too late. And he's like, I'm not going to be rehabilitated here. Like, might as well kill me. Mm. Um, but And that's like... The thing is, I mean, like, there is the the thing about prison not being so much of rehabilitation or punitive as it is just, like, keeping those people away from other people. Hmm. Like... You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you you have lost the right to have a place in society. You must now be placed apart from society. Yeah, so... Like... I think that's what he implies is like what the real purpose of jail is, is just like, you know, I'm not getting better and I'm not like being punished because he's like friends with all the guards. Like he has a good social life, apparently in jail. He's just like, oh, I'm just here now. Mm. Well, that's one of the, although that's one of the ideas of prison is like, oh, you have um, violated the social contract of society. Therefore, you must no longer be part of society. And like in our modern world, like, what are we going to do? Deport them? That's not what we're going to do. We're going to put them in jail. There's no, like, I mean, <laughs> wilds to throw them into. I mean, they did just, like, send a bunch of people to Australia. <laughs> well, that's not, uh, <laughs> that's not modern. Depending on your definition of modern, but yes. Yeah, but back then, sending people to Australia would have been considered as, like, you are leaving our society. Yes, we are fulfilling our duties. <laughs> Bye forever. Yeah, because it's like, <laughs> how are they going to get back to where they committed their crimes from Australia? It's not like releasing them into the nearby woods. <laughs> like it's just as permanent right um okay but back to the episode um right uh so oh 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 there's also another thing that kemper um mentions as a possible solution rather than putting him in jail what was it is lobotomy oh yeah he said i want to be lobotomized yeah he said it helped and he mentioned a, a famous actress, I assume. God. Uh, no, at the time. <laughs> knowing the history of lobotomy makes that super weird. 
Yeah. No, lobotomy was like super huge between the 30s and the 60s. And this is the late 70s. And he's like, yeah, fuck it. Lobotomize me. That dude literally just went around the country in like an ice cream truck and used an ice pick and just like did it to people if they wanted. I think ice cream truck is a little dramatic and probably untrue. Okay. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) No, but I mean, like within the historical context of this show, lobotomies are all but like done. Like people aren't doing them anymore. Right. It was like, but he still sees it as like, it's viable, not because it's going to like fix him, Mm -hmm. but because it's just going to like make him stop, I guess. Yeah. I don't know why I said ice cream truck. He had a lobotomy mobile. It was a van or something. I mean, he would just like, he would travel from town to town and mostly like he would lobotomize people on the way, uh, but mostly he would teach the doctors there how to do it so he could move on. Ugh. Anyway. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Back to the episode again. So uh, essentially uh, he keeps going back there and interviewing him while they also are like going around talking to like cops and stuff. Uh, And another Mm -hmm. cop who asks for help uh, presents this case where an elderly woman uh, is put in a coma and her dog was had their throat slashed. Mm -hmm. Um, And that becomes uh, important later as like uh, Kemper like talks mostly about mostly he vents to them about his hatred of his mother. Uh, And Debbie tells Ford about how her mom only judges uh, her boyfriends by if her boyfriends uh, are like nice to their moms. mothers or not. Yeah. Um, so there's this whole like mother theme. And and eventually, um, so Tench the whole time, uh, Ford's partner is like just golfing. He doesn't want anything to do with this because they're not telling the Bureau what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And especially when they get involved into the case where the woman was beaten the FBI doesn't know about that either, and it's all, like, really bad for them. <laughs> uh, but eventually, Ford gets Tench to come talk to Kemper, and Tench, like, sees the value in it pretty much immediately. Right. And then they start infuriating their boss by being like, no, this is valuable. <laughs> they basically infuriate their boss until the boss says, fuck it, do what you want. Yeah. He, <laughs> like, Ford is bothering the boss, and then the boss is like, you're fucked, and then... Tench comes in is like, no, actually, he's good. Uh, and then he's like, well, I hate you both, but do it anyways. Yeah, but he's like, you still have to do your full-time job. This has to be, like, your side yeah, project. Yeah, this is your side project. Uh, and that's when they go talk to, quote, quote, Foxy Dr. Carr. Ah, hot for teacher. <laughs> I see... This is a weird thing, because I'm hoping this doesn't turn into a love triangle with Carr... Um, and Ford, but I know I can't change real life if it does. Yeah, I don't know if that's involved. Like, it wouldn't be bad writing, it would just be real life. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I am pretty sure Carr is, uh, like, one of the, uh, she's definitely a historically important figure in these events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, but there are plenty of, like, uh, you know, important psychologists who cheated on their spouses, like. Probably, probably. Um, no, it's definitely. Oh, this is the facts of history. Yeah, I don't know if, if, if again, I don't know if, like, because I don't know this specific history so well, but that's why I'm like, because 
they're making it obvious at the, this point in the show that Ford like really respects Dr. Carr and Tench is kind of making it into a like, oh, you have a crush on her. Mm. Because they, they go to her and she's like, oh, no, this is inc- an incredibly valuable study and y- y'all are great. Uh, and Ford is immediately like, oh, my God, you just you're so important. And you said all those things. Right. He's just immediately like you validated me. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then <laughs> Ford you. gets uh, even more excited when they find another woman in Sacramento. This time she was murdered and her dog was also uh, slashed. Yeah, and um, it's kind of a funny, in a weird way, scene, because dude was like, because uh, Ford was like, oh, did she also have a dog? And the guy was like, yep, the dog was killed. And he was like, amazing. No, I think he said, I think he said, thank God. <laughs> no, he said, amen. Amen is what he said. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> there it is. Um, Back to Dr. Carr real quick, though, yes. is... um. Because she's also writing a book on on sociopaths, she gives uh, Ford the idea to write a book on what he's researching. Mm-hmm. But she's like, "Oh, it's going to take a few years if you do this full time, right?" And then you need to like give your information to the public. And Tench is like, first of all, we work for the FBI. There's no fucking way they're going to let us give this information to the public." And second of all, but there's like, no way they're going to let us do this first full time. Right, right, right. But like. As soon as she said that, Ford has his mindset on it. Right. He's absolutely determined to it. Right. So, uh, they've been interviewing Kemper. There's a second murder, and they're like, okay, this is obviously a a white man in his 30s with a relationship to, with a relationship similar as to Kemper as with his mother. Uh, Definitely there's a dog involved. And then they just like instantly like narrow in on a dude. Right. They, like, yeah, they, like, interview him in a weird, like, Sherlock style where they're, like, very quickly coming up with the right questions to ask. Mm-hmm. And, and then they <laughs> find, of course, the, the evidence of the dog resisting him on his arm. Yeah. Um, so they, they catch him, and that is further validates what they're doing. And I think the end of the episode... Like, Dr. Carr is visiting them at Quantico at the FBI headquarters. Um, yeah, they're... In- I think this is implying that, like, because they helped catch a killer using, like, their knowledge, their, like, newfound knowledge, supposedly. Yeah. Um, that they have been validated for real and that they're going to be allowed to continue doing this as a real job. At the very least, uh, them, like, their methods having, like, solved a case is like, oh, by solving cases, we can get the clout... Uh, to push forward our psychological, like, um, our, our, what's the word for your, for your goals? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. What's the word for the, your thing that motivates you? The thing that motivates you, your motivations. Your goals. <laughs> your agenda. <laughs> your agenda. Yes, uh. By solving murders, they're getting the clout that they need in order to, like, push their agenda with things like bringing in Dr. Carr. Yeah. All right. Um, And then they also, earlier in the very last episode, they're like, 
uh, Ford is listing off different serial killers and where they live. Mm-hmm. And Tench is, like, putting pins in the map where they are so they can, like, plan their cross-crunchy tour of, <laughs> of serial killers. Right. And he's like, oh, Florida. There's a killer in Florida. Oh, Florida golf course. Like, yeah, he's like, I love Florida golf courses. Let's fucking go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, one thing I do have to say that I I kind of missed from the very first part of the episode. I said, um, so like Mindhunter, the show is about um, Tench and mostly Ford. Mm -hmm. Um, The book was written by John E. Douglas about himself. Who's John E. Douglas? Um, John Edward Douglas is Ford. Okay, so the characters are renamings of real people? As far as I can tell, yes. Okay. So he was the first criminal profiler? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, do you know who the other characters are based off of? Um, That's what I'm trying to find. Yeah, all I can find is that Ford is definitely Douglas, because Douglas did put out the book Mindhunter um, in 95. Mm-hmm. Uh. And I think that was probably the book that they started in the the late 70s. Probably. Because that's the first book he put out was in 95. All right, cool. Um, Which means it took him a long ass time to do it. Oh, no, no, no. The first one he put out was in 1988. Sexual Homicide Patterns and Motives. Interesting. Okay. His, um... So I'm going to uh, kind of, I can't remember the word, but I'm, oh, I'm going to extrapolate from the data. This is, so Johnny. This is live research, three, folks. Live research. <laughs> there are three authors on this book that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, there's John E. Douglas, mm-hmm. who is um, Ford. There is Robert K. Ressler, who, if I were to guess, would be Tench. And there's Ann W. Burgess, which could be Carr. Robert K. Ressler. Robert Kenneth Ressler uh, plays a significant role in the psychological profiling of violent offenders in the 70s and is often credited with coining the term serial killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Douglas is Ford, Ressler is Tench, and Burgess is Carr. Cool. I don't know why they decided to make the names different i don't know um because it's like obviously so heavily based on them maybe because it's not like maybe because it is dramatized they didn't want to put their real names on it as like 100 percent historical Mm. but i do know that like a lot of the like the stuff about kemper at least a lot of that is factual all right (laughs) so i don't know i don't know i'm confused if we change your names can we put you in a love triangle sure (laughs) sure whatever (laughs) yeah there were probably just some like concerns with like the idea of oh this is totally historically accurate well no we are dramatizing it significantly okay well if we change the names no one will come at us right it'll be fine don't worry about it yeah yeah. All right. Um, so, what do you think? Well, I like it a lot. Um, 
It's a little weird. Because uh, it's heavily historical, but uh, heavily dramatized, uh, which reminds me of, like... Like, it's heavily dramatized in such a way that it's, like, kind of, like, trying to be, like, true detective with, like, you know, you got... Right. You got this... But they... They're still striving to be historical while they want to be, like, a fun drama show. Yeah. They're kind of going for, like, a... Somewhere between, like, a grumpy partner noir type thing and also a, like, disco and hits music of the 70s thing. Right. There's one thing we didn't mention. Yes. Electrical tape guy. Oh, right. Yes. Um, so, in the beginning of both the second and third episodes, the third episode, he doesn't say anything. You just see him. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning of the second episode, there's, like, a weird exchange between some characters we don't know, where one guy's like, oh, we're out of electric tape, and the a second guy's like, oh, you need to give me the empty roll for me to give you a new one. And the first guy, like, gets mad at him about it. And the second guy is the guy who we see very briefly in the beginning of the third episode. My assumption is that means he's going to be like a season-long serial killer that they're going to catch in episode, whatever the last episode is. <laughs> <laughs> I think they, I think it's ten episodes long. Yeah, they're probably they're probably setting up uh, a villain of sorts or a yeah. significant. Like, the most significant it, killer of the series there. Right, right, right. It's a very weird and, like, slow burn way to do it. That's a very, like, d- dramatized, uh, serialized, serialized storytelling, like, uh, true detective crime type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there is uh, an opinion I have that I want to get your opinion on. Yes. Out of these three episodes, the first one is the worst. Um, I think that's would just be because it's all set up. Yeah, but I think in a lot of cases, the first episode is the best in in a lot of shows we watch because it's like, oh, getting this like cool worlds, like, you know, this setup, I'm kind of interested to see where it goes. And then like the later episodes might disappoint you. Mm -hmm. But like, Kemper doesn't come in until episode two. And that's where I get very, very interested. <laughs> and and episode one, especially since it has all that weird like stuff with him meeting Debbie. Um, all the character and... establishment. I was going to suggest if maybe like you're not really interested in like setting up the characters. You're interested in the like the actual work. Yeah, I, I would say that's correct. But I I think because of like because that the more interesting part to me is the like interviewing of the serial killers. Mm -hmm. That's why the first episode is so like, like it was okay when I was watching it, but after watching all three, I'm like the first episode was boring. Get to the good stuff. (laughs) I guess. I mean, I can see that. I think that your reaction is probably more dramatic due to your biases. (laughs) Uh, but you're not wrong. Like the show does not like get into the meat of it until after the first episode. So yeah, this is definitely one in which you can't rely on a single episode test. Yeah, no, you can't like watch the first episode and then be like, "Well, I don't want to watch this." Yeah. Because I would suggest this at least watching episode two before knowing if you want to watch the rest or not. Yeah, but I mean, like, would you have been confused if you picked up on episode two without watching episode one? Um, maybe. I'm not sure it would have been that hard to 
to come up on because it's literally episode one is literally just like here are our characters and here is how they met and these are their personality traits yeah and then episode two is when they get into like the real story i suppose but you might i guess if you don't care about why the characters are doing what they're doing then you could just skip episode one uh but like yeah episode one like very much like establishes the like stakes and motive you know what i mean which is like hard to say in a show like this but like what this show's equivalent of the like stakes and motive would be is like uh like you know yeah i know it's all in episode one um so what would you write this show savory i guess yeah hmm yeah, I think so. I'm I'm probably going to finish watching this show. It's not... I don't think it's the strongest savory show we've watched, but if you are a lover of history or crime drama, which most people are, like, I think there's not a lot yeah. of people who would have, like, a problem with this show, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it is uh, why I think that this one um, deserves, like, our highest rating. Yeah, I... Again, it's kind of hard to tell if some of the bad stuff is bad writing or just because that's the way it happened historically. Uh, I, I think... Cons- and not that there's a lot of bad in the show. It, it's all like everything makes sense. Yeah. And everything is interesting. Yeah. I would not... Sorry, I cut you off. I don't think that any... Considering that they're, they're, they don't seem too beholden to like precise historical accuracy uh mm-hmm. i don't think that i would blame any quality issues on that on it being historically accurate yeah i think that's an unlikely scenario okay so like i said i'm probably gonna watch the rest of it i was recommended this show um by a person i went to school with in your um, psychology classes yeah 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 she was like oh it's really interesting like they seem to and she is of the exact same opinion as me, which is criminal profiling is fake as fuck. It's not a real science at me. Yeah, I was expecting more <laughs> uh, ranting about your personal beliefs uh, in uh, this half of the episode. I did very, I did very gentle ranting. Um, I, every time uh, they would start coming up with like random nonsense, I would like say to Sean, and what do you think they have to base that on? Right, but that was pretty much it. And I was expecting more. And I was expecting you to, like, open with that when we started the second half of the episode. No, I think it's... I think I got out my ranting in the first <laughs> half. Because there's nothing else I can say other than it's not a real science. Like, yes, it is very interesting and it can be very helpful to interview people. But it's not, it's not a real science. Like, you can't apply somebody else's brain to... A, sci- a, a different subject you can't predict who is going to kill someone and who isn't right it's literally impossible you can only you can have like yeah you can have like percentages like it's more likely for a person you know of this mindset who you know was raised in foster care or whatever as opposed to somebody who who lived in a, a happy family but even that is in a hundred percent yeah you can only look for patterns but I suppose that's probably preferable over a situation where there is no motive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want it to be like, um, hold on, I have to cut out some silence while I Google this movie. 
I, I, I think I feel like in actuality that while some people might think that it's more real than it actually is, that what it is, is it's what you fall back on when everything else fails and you just need something. Right. Um, you don't want it to be like Minority Report. So that's the movie where like they predict who's going to kill someone. And it's because it's like psychics, it's 100% accurate. We can't do that in real life. That would probably be very, very bad if we started jailing people on whether or not they might commit a crime sometime in the future. Let's jail all white men in their 30s who have reported being abused by their mother. Right, right, right. Because they're all gonna be serial killers. Like, that's not how this works. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, <laughs> didn't want to rant, but I ended up doing it anyway. No, I wanted you to rant, so I encouraged you to. <laughs> Uh, so while I do the closing stuff, you need to think of a show for us to watch. Shit! Oh, actually, um, it might be likely that we're going to finally do a, um... Guest episode. A guest episode next week, um, with our friend AJ, watching the season 10 of RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh boy. Again, it's, it's kind of hard to get, uh, some people together sometimes, but it seems, uh, more likely to do it next week than the past few weeks. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, we really liked the show. It was savory. At least I very liked it. I'm going to watch the rest. Um, <laughs> you can find us on tvdpodcast.tumblr.com. You can email us at tvdpodcast at gmail.com if you have any suggestions for shows to watch, if you have any feedback. Um, thank you so much for listening. Sorry we got this one out a week late. Uh, we're going to be better about that, I promise. <laughs> Sean. Yes. What are we watching next time? Um, how about something the opposite of this? How about Star versus the Forces of Evil? <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. Right. All right. So next time we're going to watch the animated Disney show Star versus the Forces of Evil. Yay. <laughs> Until then. Bye. bye.